I'm excited to be here this morning. We're kicking off a new series called Money Stories, which might make you think, wah, wah. (laughs) But hopefully not. And we called it Money Stories because the stories that we tell ourselves guide our lives. The stories we tell ourselves guide the way that we live, whether we know that or not. And there is no more powerful area of life where our stories matter than the area of money, stuff, and giving and spending, what we call at the church stewardship, which is a word you hardly use anywhere else except the church. And we we believe it's so vitally important, and the scriptures believe it's so vitally important because at the very core of that story, whatever story we tell ourselves about money, lies the story of why we are here in this world in the first place. Why are we here? Are we here just to get as much stuff as we can for ourselves, just to accumulate and hold on to things? Or are we here for something bigger than our own self? Are we here on this earth to give more than to get? How we answer those questions determines so much about our lives. And so we're going to spend three weeks on this topic, and we are hoping to try to make this an open-hearted not stressful series on money and like a try harder, you are doing bad series. We're trying not to do that. But one where where teachers are going to come up and share our real life stories about our money stuff in the hopes of both encouraging you and challenging you. And like I said, I'm super excited to kick off this series in here this morning, accompanied by my incredible husband, Chuck, who will uh, be appearing on video because it is hunting season and I am a good, good wife. (laughs) Amen, right? So we're going to share, Chuck and I, some of our stories on money and giving in the hopes that our stories will encourage all of you to pause for at least a few minutes And to ask God and ask yourself, what was my story on money growing up? What was my story about money that I have inherited? What is my story about money today? How do I think about it? And if I'm married or engaged or hope to be married or engaged, how might our two stories about money mesh or not mesh? And does my story now about money align with Jesus' stories about money? If so, how? And if not, why not? And how might I take one next step to align my story about money with Jesus' story today? So let's dig in for this morning. My parents were so poor when they got married. Okay, all right. You had an extra hour of sleep, so I want to try this again. My parents were so poor when they got married. Thank you. Why, thank you. First of all, here's a wedding picture. Aww, cutest. Uh, They were so poor that they lived in a Quonset hut when they first got married. I brought a picture in case you don't know what that is. You can show the picture. (laughs) 
Nice, huh? They were so poor, my mom told me that if she wasn't able to eat two of her three meals per day for free at the University of Iowa hospital when she was in nurse's training, they wouldn't have made it. Now, I don't know what that means, that they wouldn't have made it, but it sounded pretty serious to me. They were so poor that my dad, as a young lawyer, made $50 a week. And their mortgage was $50 a month. So that means they had $150 left each month to live on for a family of five. But as a kid, I never felt poor. I felt loved. I felt like my family lacked for nothing. And so families this morning who feel the constant pressure as Christmas approaches to keep up with the Joneses, This is not what your kids really want, even if they tell you it is. It is not what they want. What they want to know from you is, are we okay? And do you love me? And can we have fun? And when my folks took the huge risk of moving our little white family into the heart of the east side of Waterloo in the late 60s, to partner with African-American friends to fight for their civil rights, even though I was only five or six, I started to understand that we were actually wealthy. I don't remember lots of overt teaching about money growing up, but I learned a lot of lessons all by watching. So parents, take this to heart as well. Or possibly let it make you panic. (laughs) Your kids will catch your story about money and giving. You will infect them with it, so to speak, whether you want to or not. So it's good to think about it. I remember my parents were a team. Now, remember, this is my perspective as a kid, so they may have a different story to tell me this afternoon, but that was my memory. There was no my money And your money, it was always our money. I remember my mom paying the bills and keeping track of everything by hand in a spiral notebook, and she still does. I learned by watching her that money needed to be watched over carefully. Now, granted, as my folks' income grew, income grew, they became what I call hilariously generous, which is actually a biblical phrase. Some authors translate uh, 2 Corinthians 9-7, which we know as God loves a cheerful giver, as God loves a hilarious giver. That would be what my parents became, and especially my dad uh, became what my kids knew to be ridiculously, hilariously generous. One day, Shields pulled up and just implanted in the concrete the world's largest basketball hoop for my non-basketball playing children. Um, my dad spent hours and hours researching and purchasing intense softball bats for my daughters and new kinds of crazy golf clubs for my son. This was and still is pretty festive. If my dad had a theme for his ridiculously hilarious giving, his theme would be called sports. <laughs> but see, back in the day, I remember having to wait to buy things until the start of the month. I remember my mom wearing a polo shirt until it was literally threadbare. I remember my mom sewing me some clothes. She sewed me a sweet hot pants and a reversible vest and a terry cloth bikini with a matching cover-up. I don't have a photo of that, I'm sorry to say. I do remember a vacation where we, uh, took, uh, we, we took a vacation in the world's tiniest camper, where we all had to climb over each other in the night to get to the world's tiniest bathroom. 
We had a lot of fun as a family without very much money. Here's a picture. This was our family when we were really young. I'm that little chubby thing in my mom's arms. But that's just the truth. We had a lot of fun without very much money. I think if there was a story from Jesus that influenced my childhood story about money, I think it would be the good, the parable that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan. And if you remember this story, I encourage you to go home and read it. It's found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. And it is a story of a man who was beaten up and left for dead on the side of the road. And two religious people, so imagine like a pastor and an elder from a church, passed by the man on the road and they just left him there. They never stopped for him. Maybe they were going to worship or they were going to a Bible study. In fact, these two religious men crossed over to the other side of the street to avoid the wounded man left on the side of the road. But a Samaritan, Jesus says, a Samaritan who was a man despised by the religious leaders of the day as a heathen, as a non-God worshiper, They were so despised, Samaritans were, that Jesus' listeners would have been shocked and really offended when Jesus used the Samaritan in this way. He said the Samaritan stopped and attended to this man's wounds with precious oil and wine, which is, by the way, the way I'd like my wounds tended to if you ever find me on the side of the road. He put the man on his own donkey. He took him to an inn. He put him up for the night. He paid for it all. And then he said to the innkeeper, let me know what else I owe you for this man's care. Jesus said, after he told this whole long story, Luke 10, verse 36, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. My friend, my folks demonstrated what I call festive frugality and hilarious, spontaneous giving, frosted over with the frosting of the Good Samaritan. So here's a taste, just a tiny taste of what Chuck remembers from growing up. So my first question is, um, I want you to talk a little bit about your story of money growing up, what that looked like for you when you think back to how you were raised and what you thought about money. So we had, as you know, we had plenty of money growing up. Right. Um, But we didn't spend money as if we had plenty of money. My family was rather tight. Yes. a family of engineers. Okay. So, though we had plenty, we didn't have much extra. It was uh, something we waited until Christmas or birthday to okay. get something that we wanted and even slash needed right. sometimes. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think part of the idea was giving. One of the starkest memories that I have, as you know, yeah. was that... Uh, I remember putting dot .05 on the envelope at church, and the envelopes were dated. The so giving the, envelopes? The giving the envelopes, envelopes, the offering okay. envelopes. We had, we had a, a box of 52, 53 probably envelopes, because okay. one for each week, and then 
just so in case you thought maybe you might have missed a week, you could verify <laughs> by looking at the envelope. Nice. And then the special offering envelope. Right. So I got a 50 cent allowance. Every uh, week, 50 every cents. Every week, 50 cents. And 10% of that was a nickel. So I remember .05 on there. And uh, that was probably a fairly young age. But, wow. But every that, week you every, put that in. Every week I did. And, you know, as as your dad now says, I probably still have my first dollar. Correct. Um, I wouldn't really go and spend that. My friends would buy candy and things. I would instead save my Halloween candy. It would last a year. <laughs> <laughs> it was in a drawer and it would, it would last a year, maybe more. Yes. I'd probably dump it by the time the next thing, uh, Halloween came around. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because wow. we just, we just, I just didn't, we didn't spend money. We didn't. Right. If we didn't need it, we wouldn't buy it. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, what else? What else was part of your story of money? I, I remember uh, I had a football. It was a hard rubber football. Yeah. And, and it was so hard that you really couldn't catch it with your hands. It was hard and slippery. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. And so you kind of had to catch it with your body. And I really utilized that form of catching a football all the way through. And I played football plenty long that I should have learned how to catch with my hands. Right. But I, right. I never really... Never really got that. I guess I'm stretching that a little Why bit. Why didn't you buy a new one? Because we didn't really need it. We still we had that football, and it was good enough. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Was any of that driven by faith in your family? Th- those stories. Well, I think the idea of giving, of giving okay. was. I think the idea of of spending within your means was a little more that Protestant work ethic. Sure. Mixed in with with the engineer aspect of our okay. family. You guys, Chuck found that football the other day in the garage. He still has it. Stunning. I have learned so much from the privilege of being part of the Shirey family. Just to be fair, I brought Craig and Nancy's uh, wedding photo, too, so you could kind of see. I think both of our folks have been now married almost 60 years on each side. They are incredible and faithfully generous beyond comprehension. Now, here are some things I hope you heard in Chuck's story. I sure did. <laughs> Could you see my head just nodding and nodding? And like sometimes I was like, wow, incredible, Chuck. Teach your kids to give. It could last a lifetime. If you don't need it, don't buy it. That's stunning in our day and age. Live within or even below your means so that you can give. In order to give and be generous, you have to be frugal. This is stunning to me. No matter how much money you make, these two things go together. And this has been really hard for me in our marriage. I mean, the target stupor is real. You know what I'm talking about? Men, you have the Shields stupor or the Menards stupor or the Cabela's stupor where you drive out of town to overpurchase things so you can hide them. But you know the Target stupor? Where you go into Target to buy one roll of toilet paper, just one, and you come out with $85 worth of fall decorative items and you don't even know what happened. You come out and you're like, what is in my cart? I don't even like fall decorative items. What happened? Why is my cart so full? What on earth just happened? Thank God for Chuck Shirey. Is all I have to say for me. 
See, when the scriptures describe marriage and say that a man is to leave his mother and his father and cleave to his wife, and they are going to become one flesh, that sounds so romantic and sexy. But there is a part that no one really talks about at weddings that also says, you know what else is going to have to cleave together is your story on money and his story on money. Good luck. So pay a little attention here to our story of how we did it or tried to do that. Mesh our two stories. Um, So talk to me a little bit about we've been married 30 years this last August. True story. (laughs) So talk to me a little bit about, if you can remember, how our two very different stories from our childhood about money uh, growing up, how those uh, both collided when we got married and those first years of our marriage, and then how they have gradually started to mesh into a really good way of thinking about money and stewardship and giving now in our marriage. It's just an absolute miracle. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. 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 So early in our marriage, we didn't have that much money. No, we did not. Uh, And so I refused to buy yogurt for myself. The kids is okay. We didn't I, have kids for a while, well, so we just didn't well, have yogurt. Fair, right. Fairly soon, yeah. Right, but just ridiculous things like that. 50 I, cent yogurt, yeah. generic So yogurt. instead, you, of course, made, uh, uh, we had bean burritos. Yes. That probably cost about seven cents a piece. Yep. Ate those. Right, absolutely we did. We did a lot of things like that to, because we didn't have money. And, right. And so we, we, uh, we sided with my side of the family there. We did. Yes. We did. And how would you feel then when when I would sometimes uh, just buy something, maybe even at a thrift store, a little piece of furniture yeah, I was really or something? Because we yeah. didn't need it. Yeah. If we didn't need it and we didn't yeah. we were that tight, why why are we spending this yeah. money? Yeah. yeah. It was a problem. So when I tried It wasn't a huge problem, but okay. it was a humorous problem. Okay. And every once in a while though we, we were at odds. Right. Right. And so we, we just compromised. I mean, you understood that I was pretty tight along those lines. But right. it was for a reasonably good cause. We didn't have much money, and so let's spend as little as we could right. reasonably do. Right. But you, of course, were a little more festive about some things, and that was great. And so we had to combine there. Uh, you know, your family f- functioned that way a little bit more. Right. Than mine. Mine was a little more studied, a little more um, uh, engineer-like in yep. terms of of how we would spend our money. Yep. Uh, and that really kind of carried over into into giving as well, right. because both families gave a lot. A lot. Uh, but in some pretty different ways. Yeah. yeah. Y- so how did we start? What was our giving pattern? Do you remember? Even when we didn't have very much money at all, sometimes right. when we had right. almost no money. Right. Well, I gave during when I was in college. I gave money. Right. It's part of why I fell in love with you. <laughs> and, True. And early in marriage, we still gave money, even though we we really right. had very little to the church and to Christian um, kingdom like organizations we believe fit with God's right. call. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's continued. Uh, and we've combined a real studied approach about, well, how much can we give this year? What did we give to yeah. who last year? Trying to tithe right. all the time, right? Absolutely. Kind of like the 05. Like if we got 50 cents, you're giving a nickel. <laughs> uh, but we're a little more, um, I, I don't know, a little more festive about it in that 
if we, well, like, like your family, if, if the East High swim team need, needed new suits, that's what your family would do. We've, yeah. we've followed in that a little bit. A little just bit. those things that, that weren't necessarily on the list, yeah. absolutely we will uh, give to something that we so how about us getting in a hole? Like, when did we really... Because we had some years where we were very much at well, odds. Well, our kids still joke about that because every once in a while I'll say, you know, we're in a cash crunch, and the kids will just laugh at us. I know. But from but my we perspective, really are. We, we, we are, yeah. But is, wasn't there a time when the way we set up, the way we manage money, you kind of manage the overall picture. I've never balanced a checkbook in my life. I don't like numbers. You know what I mean? Like, and your mother is a little disappointed. I'm, she's extremely disappointed, but I am the spender, spender of the house. I buy all the household stuff. I pay the bills. I manage the monthly ins and outs. And sometimes when those numbers didn't add up, because you were so intense about being frugal, I would feel guilty and fearful. Not super fearful, but a little fearful. And so I would try to shuffle things around, right? And try to do like a credit card balance transfer or like not pay off a credit card all the way and I wouldn't tell you. Right. That didn't go over real well. <laughs> no. So we we had to move to a place where we decided we loved each other enough and we believed in each other enough to practice being honest. Right. And you had to practice at least with your initial reaction to me being kind and not Super tips. Absolutely, and being a little more flexible on on well, how much do we do we really need to save this year? Could we save a little bit less this year? You right. know, yeah, that'll work. Right. We can do that, right? Because you so don't want to just, just die with all this money saved and like you never had fun with your family or exactly. whatever, or exactly. gave extravagantly to right. something that we felt great about. Absolutely. Okay. Do you have anything more you want to add to this? Well, part? you know, you you, I still I still hesitate to uh, send my clothes to the dry cleaner. You know, yeah, five years. I'll, I'll just stretch this as yes. long as I can. Does it really yes. have to go yet? Or like buy white t-shirts at Target. Absolutely. Push it. We love Target. You hesitate to buy boxer shorts until they rip off you while you're getting your <laughs> <laughs> So you are frugal and I appreciate it and I'm festive and... Well, I'd like to think I'm festive too. But I'm mostly festive and then you're supposed to say and I appreciate it. Okay. I Absolutely. think that's good. <laughs> Y'all, that boxer short story is true, friends. <laughs> the struggle for Chuck Shirey is real. <laughs> we laugh now, right? We laugh now. But over 30 years of marriage, there were a lot of tears, and there were a lot of hard days, and there were a lot of arguments, especially early on when we were trying to mesh our two stories but above all else, I think what helped us, and it took us a long time to get to this place. You can hear us referencing some of it, but what helped us so much was this advice from James chapter 1. It's, I just wrote it in your bulletin. James writes, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. And man, in those hard moments, in those fearful moments, in these moments where when you tried to like shuffle the cash and it didn't work and you've got to have a conversation with your spouse, if you can do these three things, you got a fighting chance. So where are we now? 
The Chuck and Alice Show. One more video. Almost done. So we talked a little bit about our stories growing up, how those kind of hit hit each other and then kind of meshed in our marriage. Where would you say... Totally meshed. Totally meshed. Where would you say, from your perspective, we land now as a couple, biblically, uh, and what on what kind of story or what kind of picture of who God is? Um, where do we land as far as it comes to what drives our story of both how we spend our money and how we give our money? I think uh, something that I learned in seminary was to reflect from a biblical perspective, from a perspective of faith. Not so much trying to find a verse uh, to, to base our lives on or to base right. how we handle money on right. so much, but, but to re- reflect over, the, over Scripture, um, utilizing the Westminster Catechism, you know, just really wow. kind of broad things. Yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. Um, what's the chief end of humankind but to love God and enjoy God forever? You know, that, that really does play into a lot of how we do life. Right. And so, you know, one of our favorite verses has been Micah 6, 8. Right. Um, so, so. Uh, he has shown you, O oh man, what is required. Yes. And what does the Lord require? I'm but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And so uh, I, I think that has a, a really speaks to how we handle uh, a good portion of our lives, or, or try to. Right. And I think when it comes to money, another thing is, uh, you know, the story of the sheep and goats. Uh, the parable Jesus told, right? Absolutely. Matthew 25. Absolutely. Uh, what about that drives us? Well, I think, you know, the last line, you know, what you what you did with the least of these, you know? You did unto me. Right, absolutely. And so I think that that, that drives a big portion of how we, how we think, how we think about money. Mm-hmm. So a part of, uh, and I mock my family on the engineering side, but a part of it was, you know, there are people that, that really have very little. Yeah. And we have plenty. So right. let's spend a little less so that we can give more to those who have right. very little right. to causes we believe in. Right. Uh, I think that that drives that yep. uh, to, a, to a great degree. Right. And I used to be that way a lot more than, than I am now. Right. I don't need to go to the dry cleaner. I don't right. need that because there are people that don't even have food. Right. So I'm going to I'm going to give to those organizations that are dealing with the the base needs that, that right. people have. Right. And we give the hugest chunk of our tithe to our church because that's where we believe we're most called. Absolutely. To give and right. to be a part of, and we believe more and more and more that our church is reaching out to the to whatever you've done to the least of them and right. all around us in all parts of our community and world. Right. So that's really good. Um, anything else? I'm thinking about um, Jesus in Matthew 11 who said, to whom much is given, much is required. Um, kind of a scary concept for those of us who, who think maybe we have been given quite a bit. Right. You know, right. that that much more is required. Right. Um, I think we, I think we need to take that very seriously. Yep. Um, while not losing our sense of humor. Right. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and I our like that. desire to, to be, to do really special things with our family. Um, right. Right. Which, which 
we have done. So we scrimp and save so that we can do those kinds of things. So I still buy clothes at Goodwill. You still don't dry clean. <laughs> you still don't eat yogurt. I don't buy pencils either. I just yeah, use nope, the short use pencil. golf pencils, and we some, still eat beans that I make from scratch Absolutely. for burritos. Right. So and I take that, them to work. <laughs> so that we so that we can give yeah. as abundantly as God calls us to give, and so that we can um, pursue the things in life that we really believe God has most called us to pursue. And one of those things is time with our family Absolutely. and devotion to yeah. cheering Go each other on. Have a fun time with our. With our family, with okay. our kids somewhere, right? I think this is good. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so there we are. And oh, we fail and mess up, you guys. We do. I mean, it's easy to do a couple-minute video clip and sound snappy. But the key is we get back up. You know? When we fail and we fall and we mess up with money and we're not as generous as we want to be and we walk by the person on the side of the road. We remember that God loves us and he wants us to keep going. And even when we get sideways and angry with each other, we we stop and we remind each other what we're doing and we remind each other why. And we tell each other the stories of Jesus and we get back at it. And we keep trying to live frugally in many areas so that we can live festively in the areas that matter to us and that we can give hilariously and festively in the ways that matter to Jesus. So listen to me in my closing minute here. Jesus doesn't hate money. I mean, you might get that perspective from preachers and teachers and maybe if you just read one or two of the things Jesus said or did, but here's the truth. God created this idea of money and the potential that the right use of money has in this world is beyond comprehension. The problem is that just like for all good things like food and sex and really great red wine and entertainment and leisure... Just as they all have the great potential for good, they also, because of human sin, have a great potential to enslave us. And when money owns us, rather than us, through God's power, using and owning and giving money away for his good purposes, we become free at the state and the place of our soul. And you can't buy that freedom anywhere, not even at Target. So don't leave here this morning feeling guilty or thinking Jesus hates money or Jesus hates you because you're struggling. Jesus just, he doesn't hate money, he loves you. I mean, that's really the story. So I encourage you, come back next week because my friends Kurt and Kara Vanderweel are going to open up the story of their lives and how they got into a hole. And they're going to lay before you the pathway that God set before them to help them get free. And I know it's going to be super encouraging. So let me say a prayer and we're going to continue to worship. God, you speak so much in your word about money because you knew that it would have the potential to make us slaves to it. And you knew that that kind of slavery is soul-crushing. And it can even be marriage-killing. And so I know in a room this big, God, there are all kinds of us in all kinds of different financial situations, and you, in your grace and kindness and mercy, speak words of hope and comfort, but also encouragement and challenge to each one of us. 
May we, God, listen to your voice and follow it into the light of your kind of freedom. Amen.